Welcome to The Cockatoo, your source for all things Australian music in the USA. We're coming at you from Los Angeles, California, and this is the interview part of our newsletter where we talk about musical journeys to the United States. Today for our inaugural edition, I am very excited to be speaking to Jody Regan of Spinning Top Management. If you don't know Jody, you will certainly know her clients who include bands and artists such as Pond, Tame Impala, Automatic, Gum, Haiku Hands and more. Welcome Jody. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having me. It, it, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm so happy that you agreed to be our first guest because I can't think of a journey that speaks more to what's happening in Australian music across the Pacific than than, than yours. So it's going to be really fantastic to hear what you have to say and learn more about about how you've ended up on this uh, on this incredible journey. So let's just start it off with a little chronology. Uh, when did you move to the USA? I moved here in March 2014. So mm. now with a lot of people, you know, we think there's this sort of one magic day like March in 2014, mm-hmm. but tell me about when you first started, like how, how back, how long before that time did you start coming out here exploring? When, when, when did you sort of start, you know, your journey in, in, in bits and pieces, shall we say? I started The first time I came to the USA was with Tame Impala in 2010. We were supporting MGMT, who became our very dear friends, and they, you know, we always credit them with with so much in bringing us to the US because they they took us as a support. We were very unknown here. I mean, we had had the first EP out, and um, I think Inner Speaker came out either like on the day we landed here or like very, very close to around that date, like within the week or something, which is Tame Impala's first album for anyone who doesn't know. Um, And so we hit the ground, then started driving around. We drove around the country in a van um, following a bus tour, which was, if anyone's ever done that, is really not that fun because they're like the they the buses get to drive through the night you know and everyone goes to sleep whereas like in your van you're all driving taking turns through the night to get places it was a lot of driving but it was awesome like seeing the the country like that was amazing um so yeah we started then and um we kept we you know we, it was it, it we just kept coming back you know the album started doing well we kept coming back we, we were just going around around the world so we went around the world a lot um and then in around 2013 it was after our second album had come out lonerism um i remember we were at austin city limits festival in austin and it's over two weekends and i decided to get an airbnb and stay for the week in austin because i love austin and the band went off and did all of these little radio performances and this and that you know little things um at different radio stations and i just i feel just some some things went down that i just didn't quite understand you know like i just realized i didn't know enough about how things would like seriously you know how there's like a hundred million triple j's here like in australia you have triple j in america you have like 10 of them in every city i didn't know that you know that that's difficult to grasp so during that week some stuff was going on and i was like man what is going on like i don't get it so it was then specifically that week i was like i gotta move here i've got to get i've got to understand this this is becoming tame impala's biggest market i i've got to understand it so that i can make it work so the first 
the first Tame Impala album, Inner Speaker, comes out in 2010. Mm-hmm. O- by October 2013, you've you've made the decision. You you got to you got to actually plant your shoes here in the United States. Yeah. Where are you living? Where is where is your legal residence? Uh, probably living on a plane and in buses. But where's your legal residence between 2010 and 2013? Uh, in Fremantle, Western Australia. It was funny because I decided on LA. Um, I didn't want to live in New York. It was a bit too, I needed the blue skies and palm trees for me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's that Frio thing. Uh, I'm not scared of a big city. I lived in Japan for six years in the 90s, but I was just like, at that time in my life, I needed the blue skies. Um, I had a friend who, an American friend who was living in New Orleans, and she said, okay, I'll come and live in LA too because her parents were here and they really wanted her to move. So we started looking for a place. I think it was really um, trying to find the right neighbourhood yep. was a big thing. Like, yeah. You know how it is in LA. You can't just get across town. No, I mean, I, I had a, a <laughs> old client of mine many years, Jimmy Niederlander, who's now passed, but he used to say, um, it's not a city, it's a series of villages. Absolutely. And I wanted to try and find the right village. We settled on Silver Lake. But funnily enough, it was like we, Tame Impala had been nominated for a Grammy on, from Lon- on, on Lonerism. And the Grammy Awards were in January 2014. So I used that. I came over and I went to the Grammys with this same friend because the band were on tour still. And I used that point. So in January 2014, came to the Grammys. It was so fun. So it's 2014. You've you got a band with multiple hit albums. You, you're, yeah. you're at the Grammys and you're, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're rooming up with your mate from New Orleans yes. in Silver Lake. Because I was still broke. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so so it doesn't it doesn't get more successful than that but it also shows how hard the challenge is right you're is. you're yeah you're still rooming with someone everyone will be looking at it going well jody's living in a mansion in yeah. in the hills or something and absolutely not no. yeah absolutely not <laughs> nah. right so what did you do in that period in terms of visas and 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 access how, how did all that go down well i was on an o o2 visa so mm-hmm. so kevin had the o1 and then the rest of us had the o2s off him and um, so that's a three year visa, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correctly. Um, and you know, w- they were, they were quite easy for us to get at that point. So I was, I was here on an O1 and O1s require you to be working for the band that you're on the O, or the artist, the mm-hmm. individual that you're on the O1 with that, which was really the majority of, you know, obviously Kevin took up a lot of my, um, workspace. So it was sort of easy to prove that I was working for him and, and, and his record labels here and, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot going on. Okay, so 2014 March, you're living in Silver Lake. You've got here, Tame Impala's doing great. You're at the yeah. Grammys. Yeah. Um, tell us about the next next six months to a year. I think uh, everyone has a different period as to when they feel like they are an Angelino or a New Yorker or Chicago and or wherever you land. So tell us about your your first six to 12 months uh, living in Silver Lake and, and becoming a resident of Los Angeles. It was great because there was a lot going on here for Tame. I was obviously still also working on Pond. I think Pond toured here that year okay. um, because and so I sort of seemed to have my little Aussie pals coming through. Um, you know what LA is like too, and this is one of the reasons I chose LA too. It's like such a thoroughfare. People from all over the world come through 
so it felt yeah. I didn't feel sort of as as lonely and isolated as I thought I might okay. being in another country and not really having any friends outside of like the people I worked with at different labels or publicists or whatever like they were the only people I knew here I didn't have a friend group or anything like that mm-hmm. so I I thought that you know it was a bit kind of scary coming here and leaving my family and friends and stuff but like the fact that all of those bands are my best friends too. Yes. It was great because I got to get them, like they did tours and I was there and it was really, it was really fun. And um, Cam, who plays bass in Tame Impala, he was, he was here as well. He had sort of decided that he wanted to spend more time and he was hanging around LA. So that was fun. He um, was hanging around. We went halves in a $2,000 RAV4 um, because we, neither of us could afford a car each and so um that was funny like i was working from the living room in my house in the house that we were renting and at about three o'clock every day i'd have to take myself for a walk around the neighborhood because the aussie shift would be about to start you know like you do your mornings with your uk and america and then you turn into your aussie and work all night yes i know know the routine (laughs) you you basically got three hours of uh, four days a week of of actual working yeah, you know where, exactly. where the two business hours coincide and the rest is yeah. the rest is your time being given yeah. up how did you guys feel the working professionally in los angeles versus in australia how did how did you feel the difference in not just opportunity but approach and sort of business culture initially i know for speaking for myself um i was pretty intimidated yeah um i felt like everybody knew more than i did because it it's it's america it's yeah. like there's 50 sydneys here you know what i mean i do and the the and everyone sort of uh, everyone who's coming up through labels or whatever they all know each other and like they throw names around like you should know who they're talking about and i was right. always like who are you talking about right. i don't know who you're talking about i don't know what you're talking about um, so I was a little in, I mean, I was never fearful though. Like, I mean, I always knew that I'm a smart person and I could work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt it, even though it was such a huge industry, it still felt really clicky. Yeah. Um, and a bit hard to break through, especially for us. I felt like we were really outsiders and that really worked in the whole mystique of Tame Impala and Pond, like as performers. And because I think everyone was completely blown away by, by the skills of those guys and how yeah. free and like just incredible that they were, which was great. But then I think maybe I was a little bit confusing because I just, I just did not come from, I didn't come from a history of, I didn't start in the music industry young. You know, I right. came into it later in my life. Okay. And so a lot of people start when they're 20 and by the time they're, 30 they know everyone and they you know what i mean it's like they've I all do. moved around but i didn't come into it till i was like 30 something and so i felt like it was just it was interesting yeah it felt yeah. it felt very clicky and it felt like um there's just a lot going on to you know yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a huge industry and so it is. so just quickly going back to to that change when you came into the music industry at 30 what was that what was that moment in time what happened there uh, so everyone knows this story. Well, people close to me are so sick of hearing this story. But uh, in when I was um, 22, uh, late 22, I went to Japan to be like everyone was going there. The Japanese 
income bubble and all of that. Uh, okay. And everyone was going there to be teachers and hostesses and get paid all this money. And it was supposed to be a three month thing. My sister was there. All my that people from high school were there. Everyone was there uh, doing this stuff. And um, I went over there and I didn't come back for six years. <laughs> and um, so from 22, like late 22 to, to 28. So I came back in 99, uh, 28, came back to Australia, came back to Frio, was just like, what is going on? It was a, it was a bigger culture shock coming back to Frio than it was going to Japan in the first place. It was right. very strange. Interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting and weird. Um, yeah. And then I started working at this pub because I was always in hospitality before that. Okay. And who was, it was run by a friend of mine who'd also been in Japan, Meredith. Okay. Um, shout out to Meredith, who's yes. still a very close friend of mine. She gave me that job where she sort of, yeah, she was just like, I know that you can do this. We need someone, blah, blah, blah. Is this at the Norfolk? At the Norfolk Hotel. Yeah. We ended up building it to a point where amazing bands came through, like the presets came. It was, it was like literally 200 cap and maybe 180 cap. Right. And, like, I remember the presets being so loud, but I was like, because I was always there at sound checks and stuff. It's amazing I can still hear, to be honest. And so, yeah, so then I was just in this really, like, the world to me was the local music scene in, in Frio, Perth. Amazing. Um, Who doesn't love a rock and roll basement? Yes, I exactly. Mean, it, it's, it, uh, it unfortunately has gone now. It's, oh, that's a shame. I think it's a... Uh, I think it came, became part of the pub. But, yeah, no, it doesn't exist anymore. It hung on for a while. But I, I ended up leaving in 2009. That's how I obviously came across Mink Muscle Creek, yep. um, Tame Impala Pond, all of those guys, that family of incredible artists that just blew my mind. Um, so for our listeners, Mink Muscle Creek was a, was a Frio band, a suburb of Perth, if you're not familiar with this part of Australia or yeah. another city really, but yeah, part of Perth metropolitan yeah. area. Yeah. Um, Mink Muscle Creek play at the Norfolk basement, um, and that band includes Kevin Parker, Nick Albrook, and Joe yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Kevin Parker goes <laughs> on to become Tame Impala, and Nick and Joe go on to become Pond, correct? Including uh, the, with Jay Watson, drummer from Tame Impala, was a founding member of Pond also. Ah, Jay Watson as well. Okay, there yes. we go. So that's yes. the, they're the characters that are, that are a big they're part the of the story. The yeah. only um, inconsistency in that story is I actually initially saw that initial gang of people at mojos tell, tell us a little bit about about that process of how you start to sort of uh, go from a perth management company up to signing some really amazing uh, american bats okay that's that's definitely very covid related okay i gotta say so well, well if COVID it's a positive COVID story yeah bring it well covid19 hits i've got to cancel like 45 dates of a tame impala world tour mm -hmm. um three shows in because you know we'd released the slow rush like a month before Yep. COVID hit. It was a crazy time. Anyway, obviously none of us know, knew what was going on, but I tell you what, I have never felt more distant from Perth, more isolated from Australia. It was kind of terrifying, this mm -hmm. whole not being, bands not being able to travel, not being able to tour. Yeah. When you come from the most isolated city in the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is not a great business model, Joe. Right, right. <laughs> like, when, when times like this happen, this is like the, it couldn't be more like impossible yeah. to keep the business kind of afloat. Right. And, and I thought essentially um, it would be really fun to have a couple bands in countries that 
when they and I also noticed actually each country really focusing on their own artists because of course they were in their face you know yeah. so UK was really focusing on local artists and I felt like Australia did the same thing and America really did the same thing and I was like well maybe um it would be really good to open up and branch out a little bit so that like if things like this happen again you can sort of have these little micro communities in, elsewhere and it's not going to actually like make my business completely fail mm -hmm. um, because you know like Australia was open up to Australia to itself yeah on a, I mean to some know, extent there was to some extent there were lockdowns yeah. and all of that sort of thing and it was a bit of a nightmare but yeah in WA you could go around yeah. and around so people they could still do those things it's just like they couldn't get out um but a, an important thing too is that uh one of my uh, an amazing woman who joined my company spinning top is called anna benefield and mm -hmm. she and i co-manage um she's from mississippi yep. and she's lived in in la she was a, a booking agent and she started working for spinning top during COVID as well because of course booking agents got furloughed or laid off as soon as the, the first ones to go yeah and she started really helping me out during that time. Yeah, yeah I mean so that's that's the next step, isn't it? You sort of you you make it out here, you find your your way out, and then you start to find the people that you know you connect with in the US, yeah, and yeah. either personally or professionally, and and then you build from there. And, exactly. And, and and that's um that's when you really start to move because uh, you know you're in and you're yeah. uh, you're a local. So yeah, totally. yeah, well that's that's it's an incredible story. It's so mm -hmm. it's just great to hear and just. The, you know the the roots of it are just are just very inspirational um if you could go back to well around about 2013 i guess when you were making <laughs> the decision to move out to the us what would you what would you tell yourself uh, that you that you didn't know at the time what what advice would you give yourself um that it was all going to be okay it <laughs> 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 was scary yeah you know yeah, totally. It was big, and I had to make a lot of big decisions, and I think I was like, "Am I doing the right thing?" Like there was a lot of stress involved with, with, with if it was going to work or not. And yeah. um, I'd probably just tell myself that it was just all going to be okay, and it was going to work out. It's going to be really hard work, but uh, that I probably didn't have to stress as much as I did. Yeah, well, it's good advice. Thank you very much for your time. It, it's been you. an absolute pleasure, pleasure talking to you. <laughs> and um, yeah, we really appreciate it. So this is uh, this is the audio conversation segment of the Cockatoo. It's the Australian Great Music Alive. Thank you very much. It's a <laughs> it's a noisy bird, but we love it. Um, and I've uh, been called that many times. <laughs> we all have a we all have a bit of cockatoo in us. And yes. um, yeah, so thanks to uh, thanks no to everyone worries. listening. We are a 501c3, so you are more than welcome. If you like the work we do and you want to support us, you're more than welcome to donate. But more than anything, we appreciate you uh, you're listening to the stories and uh, we look forward to catching you on the, the next edition. <laughs> <laughs>